near lows that we saw a few days ago. Vandana, thank you very much indeed. That's Vandana Hari, founder and CEO of Vander Insights. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. First of all, in stocks, the ASX 200 in Australia is up about 0.6% right now. Uh, in Japan, the Nikkei 225 is almost flat. The Cosby is up about 1.7% and looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 1.1%, about 270 points at the moment. In the oil markets right now, Brent crude oil is stronger in Asian, Asian trading. It's trading at $33.72 a barrel. Gold is at 1680 uh, Sorry, $1,649 an ounce. And in the currency markets, the US dollar is trading at 108.9 Japanese yen. Money Talk will be back on Tuesday after the Easter break, but I will be here tomorrow morning and Monday morning from 6 to 10 on Radio 3 with two holiday specials packed with music, chat and guests, so please do join me for that. In the meantime, from all of us on the Money Talk team, I wish you a very happy and peaceful Easter. Back chat's coming up after the news with Danny Gittings and Anna Fenton. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast just before I go. It's going to be mainly fine, warm and dry. Maximum temperature is going to be about 25 degrees. It will be sunny tomorrow. A few showers over the weekend and then the weather will improve with cool mornings early next week. It's 20 degrees right now, 73% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Jung says the government's $137 billion relief package will benefit those businesses doing well out of the epidemic. The highlight of the package will be an $80 billion job retention scheme where the government will pay half of workers' salaries for six months, capped at $9,000 a month, but only to those companies who don't sack staff. Critics say it doesn't help people who've already lost their jobs. Mr Chung said a more targeted relief package would require less money. We have calculated that if they were only subsidizing people who have to take unpaid leaves, it would only amount to about $16 billion if we were to pay for six months and assuming up to 6.1% of the workforce would have to take unpaid leaves. So instead of having to pay $80 billion for the entire market business, we would be paying only a fraction, one-fifth of the money would do, and the rest should go to helping those who have lost their jobs. Britain has recorded its worst daily figure to date for hospital patients with coronavirus who've died, 938. The number of confirmed infections has risen by 10%. In Italy, there's been further evidence the pandemic is slowing. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhard. Within Europe, the panorama is shifting. The infection curve is flattening in the two worst-hit countries, Italy and Spain. In Italy, the number of those confirmed to have the virus has risen by only about 1% for two consecutive days. Of late, France and Britain have posted some higher daily numbers of deaths than either Italy or Spain. In certain less badly hit European countries, the talk is of gradually loosening restrictions. But that's alarmed to the World Health Organization. Its message, think very carefully, as the progress thus far is fragile. The U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders has suspended his campaign for the 2020 Democratic presidential nomination. The announcement clears the way for the former Vice President Joe Biden to become the Democratic candidate and challenge President Trump in November. Speaking to his supporters, Mr. Sanders promised to work with Mr. Biden to defeat President Trump. He said while his campaign had ended, the fight for economic and social justice would continue. Together we have transformed American consciousness 
as to what kind of nation we can become. And I've taken this country a major step forward in the never-ending struggle for economic justice, social justice, racial justice and environmental justice. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-host this morning is Karen Coe. Good morning, Karen. Hi, good morning, Danny. On today's show, we'll be looking at the government's $137 billion economic relief package to try and weather the coronavirus outbreak. Hong Kong is following in the footsteps of other countries by helping employers pay the wages of affected workers in return for a promise of no layoffs. Chief Executive Kerry Lam also bowed to criticism of her proposed pay rise by promising to take a 10% pay cut instead. And there was good news for MTR users too, with a 20% cut in fares. But the salary subsidy is less than similar measures in other countries, such as the UK, which is reimbursing 80% or more. And there was criticism of how the money will be paid to employers rather than directly affected workers. So is the government targeting its economic relief measures in the best way? Has it done enough to stave off the threat of a serious recession? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Backchat at rthk.hk. Or give us a call. The number there, 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Joining us for the first half of the show this morning, we have Felix Chung. Felix Chung, uh, leader of the Liberal Party and the Textile and Garments Constituency Lawmaker. We have Fred Koo, who's the director of the Integrated BBA Programme at Chinese University of Hong Kong. And we have Eddie Lau, who's vice president of the SME Global Alliance. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Felix, Felix Chung, let's go to you yes. first. What, what do you make of the government? Has the government done enough? I, I think um, the government has made the correct and right directions on having this um, finance relief package. Um, it's, it's the right time because a lot of the um, employer is having very difficult time, especially most of the business have dropped for 80 or 90 percent. They don't even have the money to pay the rent and the salaries. So now, right, right now, this time here, the government is helping to pay 50 percent of the salaries. I mean, that can really help. Of course, it cannot help everybody, but I think most of the enterprises got benefit from that. But the money won't arrive until June, and it won't go directly to the workers. Yes. So the other package they have is uh, there is a 100% um, guarantee fund. Uh, now the maximums have been raised from $2 million to $4 million. Um, that particular fund alone is per, uh, designed to, um, for, for the enterprise to pay the rent and, and the salary. So, I mean, that will certainly help. And um, Carrie Lam already um, told us that he already, she, she already in, instructed um, the Hong Kong uh, Monetary Authority and all the bank to, lead, to, to make the application as simple as possible. So I, I think uh, uh, quite a lot of enterprises can apply for that first. And then the second, um, the second um, policy that might help is the 50% of the uh, pay wages. 
Do you think, um, Mr. Chung, that she could have gone further? I mean, as we've seen in other countries, governments are paying up to 80% of people's yeah. wages. And, you know, people fundamentally, you know, the biggest expense for most people is their mortgage or their rent. So th- yeah. this well, may I, go a little way, but it doesn't really seem enough. Well, certainly um, have, um, um, the government can raise uh, raised from 50% to 8% for the subsidy is, is, is even better. But there is a problem now in UK. Um, it's happening for the employer that mo- quite a lot of the employees don't go back to work because they said, I already got 80% from the government. Why should I bother to go? Because that, the, 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 the rest of the 20% they might have to pay the transportation, the, the lunch, whatever. I mean, that, that is another problem that is happening in the UK. So I think 50% might be um, uh, maybe right at the present moment. But we can, we can see, I mean, when the, the situation go along. So you're saying that it would be a disincentive for, for people to work if they, if they got more than the 50%? Well, that's happening in the UK, but, um, but certainly that might not apply in, in Hong Kong because... The Chinese society, the people worked uh, more harder. So, fifty um, percent um, may be a good start, but we can adjust that if uh, the situation getting uh, worse. Okay, thank you very much. Please, uh, please stay with us. You just heard Felix Chung, the leader of the Liberal Party, talking about the government's economic relief package. Let's now bring in uh, let's bring in Eddie Lau, vice president of the SME Global Alliance. Good morning, Mr. Lau. Thank you for joining us. Okay, has the government done enough? Are are your members still going to go out of business, or can they weather this storm now? Um, I uh, agree with uh, Felix Chung that I think the government, uh, by doing this, is going the right direction. But in terms of the magnitude, I think it's uh, a little towards the low side. Uh, Especially when we learn that uh, in UK they are getting the 80%. So uh, we are a little bit uh, uh, disappointed, uh, so to speak. Uh, But I think that's the right direction. Uh, but we are more concerned about uh, the details of how this uh, will be arranged. Uh, for example, you said uh, it covers six months. So with six months, uh, if the money is handed out in June, so are we talking about from June to December, something like that, or are we talking about like from March, uh, you know, uh, retrospectively, uh, from March to December? Uh, because I think like um, in, in the SME sector, we, we are aware that like uh, paying... Um, uh, the payroll and rent has been a big problem uh, since earlier this year. Uh, so for April, I think uh, many uh, SME owners are concerned about uh, uh, paying uh, the payroll. So if we can uh, help out uh, by like uh, tracing respectively, uh, like covering like March to, to September, I, I think it helps even more. Uh, for example, I know some um, like employers uh, now is like April already. They still have problems. Uh, clearing their March payroll, and then if uh, that doesn't uh, being taken care, employees uh, will go to the labor tribunal to sue, and then you know the courts are closed. So if um, the March and uh, April payroll uh, cannot be have a solution to that, uh, you will see like employees getting really upset. Uh, they lost their job. Uh, they sue, but the, the courts are not open. So, so that would be a mess. So I'd be happy to to hear that uh, the details, and if the government can help. Uh, covering six months uh, starting from March or even earlier. So that's one of the opinions that we heard. And, and um, also, uh, we're talking about like the employees on the uh, MPF record. 
as you know, uh, SMEs uh, employ a lot of uh, uh, people from the workforce uh, without the MPF. For example, like short-term uh, concept. I, I represent the uh, the SME Global Alliance, and I chair the um, Education and Training Commission. So I, I know, like in the training or education sector, a lot of like uh, trainers or uh, teachers, instructors, they are using a uh, a contract, a service contract. So that's not under the MPF um, list. So uh, would there be some measures the government uh, can do to help uh, the uh, the employers to take care of people on uh, service contracts? So, so that's uh, the other opinion I'd like to uh, see that uh, the government can help out. Mm. And um, Edila, have have you brought these concerns directly to the government, the the SME Global Alliance? Uh, I have not. I, I've been trying to speak to some legislators, uh, but uh, I, I haven't got time to set to you know get through their doors and talk to people. So it would be really helpful if uh, there's a phone number or some people I can uh, you know talk to and accept the opinions from from this sector. And I also uh, understand that some uh, subsidy for uh, for they call it like tutorial standards. But really, like what is the definition of tutorial standards? Uh, there's another uh, sector we call it non-local high education sector. For example, like they bring in uh, education programs from other universities overseas, like in UK, Australia. So this is a big sector. There are like like over a thousand programs all uh, on this um, uh, fashion. And um, uh, by by now, like uh, you know, they cannot have uh, more than four people gathering. So. The, the whole sector has been uh, like put into a hole, so it affects a lot of these uh, operators, and then they employ thousands or uh, tens of thousands of people. So uh, can the government uh, also clarify whether this subsidy will help out uh, through this sector? And these are also regulated under the education ordinance, so it's more difficult to track down uh, the needs for the operators, uh, who they are, and how, how this uh, uh, can be handled. So. Uh, I hope the government will also consider, uh, you know, the uh, the scope of the subsidy will cover this sector too. Okay, thank you very much. Stay with us. You just heard Eddie Lau, Vice President of the SME Global Alliance, pointing to some gaps in the government's economic relief package. Let's now bring in the third of our guests, uh, Fred Ku. Fred Ku, Do- Director of Integrated BBA Program at Chinese University of Hong Kong. Mr. Ku, good morning. So, um, in terms of the um, economic impact now of coronavirus, how much difference do you think this um, government relief package is going to make? Can we avoid a serious recession, or are we just uh, flattening the impact slightly? Well, this is very hard to say. I mean, whether this kind of uh, relief package is going to help the economy. I mean, well, I mean, it's, I guess it is quite certain that it is going to help. The problem is uh, whether it is uh, good enough. I mean, to solve the problem of the uh, reception that we are expecting. And uh, I think, I think uh, the, one of the more, uh, most important uh, idea of this kind of, for example, employment uh, supporting scheme is that uh, this is not going to uh, support only the employees, but the employers themselves. And uh, I, I think the rationale behind uh, this kind of employment supporting scheme and giving cash to the citizens are actually very different. Um, the employment support scheme is focused more on the, I would say, say the medium run. Um, giving out the money directly, of course, can help the immediate situation that many people are facing. But uh, at the same time, however, it is not going to help them to stay at job. And uh, staying at job actually is more important, I would say, in the medium run of the economy. And we have to see, I mean, how, how the economy goes 
to determine whether, I mean, this kind of policy is effective or not. Is, um, Fred, is there another way to approach it, apart from just uh, wage subsidies? Is, are there other things the government could be doing to either help p- uh, keep people in their jobs or help businesses um, and prevent you know, mass layoffs, prevent businesses shutting down forever? packages uh, actually includes injecting some kind of uh, liquidity or streamlining um, the, the process for firms to get the, uh, the credits from the bank or whatsoever. So um, I think this is very important as well. Now, we've, we've talked about this before. The government often says, yes, we will um, uh, offer programs like a low interest or almost interest-free loans. But when mm-hmm. small businesses actually go to the banks to try and get these, they often can't get them because there are all these other requirements that the banks put on right. them. How do we solve right. that problem? I mean, uh-huh. This is the reason why I said that uh, the government probably needs to release some kind of uh, restrictions or requirements for the firm to obtain this kind of money. Uh, I'm not sure whether it is possible for the government to take over this role to you know, providing additional liquidity to firms. But, uh, well, I think, I think, I mean, after all, um, giving the, the laws to the firms is more like a commercial decision by the banks. So it really depends. I mean, the government cannot really force them to, you know, lend their money, right? Okay, we're discussing the impact of the government's $137 billion economic relief package yesterday, and you just heard um, uh, Fred Koo, Director of uh, Integrated BBBA Program at Chinese University of Hong Kong. If you have any thoughts, email us at backchatterrthk.hk, backchatterrthk.hk. You can go to our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there. Let's bring in a couple of comments from coming in from listeners now. Uh, several of these comments written before economic, the economic relief package yesterday, and one of them indeed in a follow-up to uh, yesterday, Yesterday's show, uh, S says, the Hong Kong government was reluctant to close borders because it was going by WHO guidelines. John, who's a listener who emailed us yesterday, will be able to find these truths if he goes back to the many press reports depicting Carrie Lam and her government. It was not until the local doctors and nurses went on strike that the Hong Kong government took the action of closing the borders. Peter says... While SARS strongly drives local behaviour for the majority of our community, most protesters were unborn or were toddlers in 2003. Any hope for peace in Hong Kong as we struggle to overcome COVID-19 is damned unless the administration makes a political move to address the issues. An independent inquiry into the whole nine months of trouble is the very minimum. Pessimistic? No, just realistic and disappointed that the memory of the millions who turned out with their families to peacefully send a message to Kerry has descended into disharmony that we experience today and the enormous inevitable violence that will descend upon us again to disrupt our economy. Uh, Recovery, sorry. Combating COVID-19 should be our primary target. But is that so for Kerry and the others who could start an inquiry at the drop of a a pen? Thank you much, very much, uh, Peter. And uh, uh, DY says... Hong Kong's overpaid legislators and district councillors should now follow the lead of our top government officials and take a pay cut or donate part of their salaries out of solidarity to the Hong Kong people who are affected by the COVID-19 outbreak. All of them should take a pay cut of no less than 30% of their salaries in some Western countries. They should announce that as soon as possible. Hong Kong people are sick of legislators and district councillors empty talk and filibusters. We want action and solutions, or simply a gesture of solidarity. 
Backchat should ask all legislators and district councillors who talk on the show to declare if they are willing to do so or not. I note the members of Parliament in various places have swiftly and decisively taken a pay cut or made donations of their salaries in solidarity with the rest of the societies, which are affected by the COVID-19 outbreaks. And DY goes on to mention a number of examples in India. Prime Minister, members of Parliament, Ministers, President, all 30% pay cut. Singapore, uh, President, Cabinet Ministers, political office holders, one month. Malaysia, 70 members of Cabinet, two months. And in Canada, actually much smaller MPs, uh, uh, 2.1% uh, decrease. OK, thank you very much, DY. You did, you did ask us to to ask legislators whether they would be willing to take a pay cut. Uh, we have one on the show right now, uh, Felix Chung. Uh, back to you. Um, uh, Kerry Lam, yeah. executive councillors have announced they will take a pay cut. Uh, are you, you willing to follow suit and do you think other legislators should as well? Well, personally, I don't mind at all. But of course, we need to have a consensus from uh, all, all the members before um, this hat can be done. So uh, we, we certainly can discuss about that. Um, I think this uh, will be a topic um, that uh, going on maybe for, 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 for a couple of days. It doesn't sound like a very definite answer when you say you don't mind. You, you're not even saying you would recommend it to the, uh, the rest of the councillors, are you? You're just saying, well, it, it's, it's, it's OK, you wouldn't object to it. Well, I mean, as I said, I mean, this, this needs to have a consensus from everybody. Um, so, I mean, personally, I don't like to do it, but, I mean, I cannot represent the whole, the whole council. Because you, you were one of the people who criticised uh, Kerry Lam when it looked like Kerry Lam, well, when it initially was going to be that Kerry Lam is going to take, take a pay rise, and now she's agreed to uh, a pay cut. Sure, surely you should be saying that you'd follow suit. Well, as I said, personally, I don't mind to do it, but, I mean, I cannot represent the whole council, so... Uh, uh, we, we can discuss about that. I mean, uh, certainly um, the media will chase uh, different, different members to ask for their opinion. OK, now um, another comment coming in from a listener directed to you, Felix Chung. Um, Nicola says, Felix Chung stated that because of the 80% help for the U from the UK government for workers' salaries in the UK, workers in the UK aren't bothering to go to work. This is misrepresentation. In the UK, only essential workers are allowed to go out to work due to the lockdown. Also, as in Hong Kong, the government subsidy is being paid to the company, not directly to the workers. Felix Chung? Well, it is just go through the company to pay the, to pay the workers. I mean, the money is not for the company. It's the money is for, for, for the, all the employees. So, I mean, um, the money is actually directly to to the employee, but through the employer. But the listener does have a point that, you know, people are on lockdown in the UK that you, you can't actually go to work unless you are uh, labelled one of those essential workers, which, you know, is the same in many other countries right now. Well, as, as I said, that is some problem happening in UK. I mean, certainly the situation in Hong Kong is different. So as I said, 50% is, is a good start. But doesn't mean that uh, we close the door that we cannot accept 80% or even 100% of the subsidies from the government. OK. Um, and Eddie Lau, um, do you think the government needs to come up with another package, in, 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 perhaps in another month or so? Well, um, I, I would think at least uh, the, the details or like how the arrangement uh, will be made, um, you know, we can expand a little the, the scope of the subsidy 
to cover uh, you know the education sector or like how how this arrangement for employees, but they are on a like, service contract that kind of thing. So if that uh, can be taken care, uh, the a, a, uh, another package may not be uh, immediately needed. But I, I think we need to know like the details on how this will be arranged. You, you you keep mentioning this issue of service contracts. I mean, people took service contracts for tax advantages. As far as I, I understand, there's the similar issue in the UK. You you take this, you take your tax advantages um, in good times, and then you, then you 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 may lose out in bad times. Yeah. So, so uh, isn't that fair? Okay. Perhaps I mean these people are benefiting by paying less tax in normal times. So why should they get the same relief as um, as people who've been paying that paying a larger share of tax? It's not a tax thing. I mean, they also pay tax. It's just like the nature of, like, for example, if you are like, like a trainer or like instructor, so you work for a, uh, a company or like an education institution on a part-time basis or like you teach a course, so the arrangement is paid per course. Uh, so it's on a service contract. And uh, they, we also report their income to the um, IRS. So things like that, it's not a tax relation thing. It's just the nature. Uh, of the service provided uh, on a uh, part-time basis rather than like, from 9 to 5. So it's just a different nature. So, um, Eddie, I also wanted to ask you about, you know, the, the latest moves by the government to shut down another sector, the, the beauty parlor and massage parlor sector. And it, it does seem like uh, the government is kind of chasing the infections. Um, so they hear reports of infections in a certain place and then that sector is going to be shut down. Is, is that really the best approach? I mean, would it not have been better if, if we had had an initial total lockdown? Um, or does it make any difference? I mean, the infection is going to show up in all sorts of places no matter what you shut down. Well, uh, from, from the good side, I think the government is, is uh, sort of like concerned about this uh, industry. They don't want to it down right away and give time, give them time to try whether uh, it was still worse or even cause problems. So looking respectively, so I mean, there's a lot of things we can do better. But I, I think uh, it still shows that the government uh, is concerned about um, you know the smaller industry. Uh, I mean, to start shutting them all immediately is an easy way to to say or to do. Uh, but I think the government uh, want to do it step by step and see how the situation changes. So I, I, I think um, it's not bad. So that, that's my, my personal view. Uh, Fred Koo, uh, one issue that was raised yesterday is whether the government can afford to be more generous. I mean, this package is already cutting very deeply into our reserves. Mm-hmm. Carrie Lam referred to that. What, what do you think? I mean, how, how much... I, I know we, have, we still have plenty of money in the reserves, but how much <laughs> scope does the government really have for going even further? I mean, the new relief package that is, uh, we are talking about 137 billion, and this is about 5% of the GDP last year, or say 12.5% of the existing fiscal reserve. Uh, well, of course, uh, we, we can say that the government can afford to do a little bit more. I mean, as mentioned, I mean, they can actually try to raise the amount of uh, salary uh, subsidy to say 80% or whatsoever. The problem is uh, that uh, whether we are expecting this kind of uh, problem is going to you know, last for a long period of time. I mean, uh, 12%, uh, we, we, we cannot really say that 12.5% of the fiscal reserve is a small amount. Even though, even though, of course, I mean, there are always room for the government to increase 
the size of this kind of subsidy. But uh, at, at the same time, the government probably is concerned about the, the medium rent or the low rent of the development of the Hong Kong economy, and that is perhaps the reason why. So would you not be surprised if, say, in another two, three, four months, if the situation hasn't improved a lot, that they will have to um, keep releasing more money? Mm-hmm. I won't be surprised. I won't be surprised. And what happens there? I mean, some people say that coronavirus can be on and off for years. I mean, how, how long can we go on with economic relief packages? Mm-hmm. I think the, the, um, the current duration of six months is actually uh, quite an optimal one. I mean, in, the, in this uh, period of six months, we can actually see um, the real economic impact of this kind of um, pandemic. Uh, because after all, I mean, uh, the, the, many of the economic figures so far has not been catching up. So we don't really know the exact um, impact. And so let, I, I guess that is the reason why I mean I said that six months is more like an optimal one. And this is this is certain for I mean if if the situation actually continues, the government may actually need to do something more. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, you just heard uh, Fred Ku, uh, the director of Integrated uh, BBA Program of Chinese University of Hong Kong. Also joining us for the first half of this segment of the show was Felix Cheung, the leader of the Liberal Party and the textile garments and constituency lawmaker, and Eddie Lau, vice president of the SME Global Alliance. Stay with us after the news. We'll be continuing the discussion with uh, further guests, including um, a uh, representative of the unionists, to talk about how ordinary workers are affected by the government's economic relief package. As always... If you have any comments, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, let's just bring in one comment quickly from a listener before the news. Andrew, Andrew taking issue with approach on Backchat, says you never ask your guests to substantiate their comments, views and opinions. For example, Joseph Lee speaking on frontline medical staff. Just because he says it does not make it true. Maybe he has an axe to grind. Thank you very much, Andrew. Weather forecast. It'll be mainly fine, warm and dry during the day. Uh, it's going to rise to 25 degrees, currently 20 degrees, relative humidity 73%. We'll be back in three minutes. Welcome back to Bank Chat. I'm Danny Gitting, sitting in for Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host this morning is Karen Hako. In the second half of the programme, we're continuing our discussion about the impact of the government's economic relief package of the coronavirus outbreak. Our guests in the second half of the discussion, Carol Ng, chairperson of the Confederation of Trade Unions, and Peter Guy, who's a columnist and former international banker. If you have any thoughts, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there. Uh, let's now try and bring in a selection of comments from listeners before we go to the guests. Uh, first one on a slightly different topic from uh, Bowen. Bowen says, It's difficult to have sympathy for the pronouncements from World Wildlife Fund's Hong Kong Director of Conservation, David Olson. Every time he speaks to the media, he instinctively flinches from commenting on China's wildlife market and instead seeks to divert attention to the wildlife market in countries in Southeast Asia. None of the comparatively recent outbreaks of animal-related infectious diseases in those countries has been remotely comparable to COVID-19 and the 2003 SARS outbreak. The WWF study reported in the media yesterday refers to surveys done in Hong Kong, Japan, Myanmar, Thailand and Vietnam while leaving out the single country whose impact is 50 times that of the other countries put together. To add to the confusion, David Olson repeatedly seeks to direct attention to Hong Kong's involvement in the wildlife trade, while acknowledging that Hong Kong does not have Wuhan-style wildlife markets, and to the sale of birds and reptiles here as pets. 
While the wildlife for consumption and potential pet reptiles and birds in the black market needs to be controlled, the vast majority of the so-called exotic reptile pets offered for sale in the local open market are most likely captive bred. There's no shortage of captive farming operations in countries like Honduras, El Salvador, Madagascar, Colombia and Panama. And it's also been documented that most of the uh, popular species of pet animals caught from the wild will die from refusal to eat. Birds and reptiles in the pet market have also, despite their long history here, never posed any serious threat to the health of locals, in, consequent, in contrast to the frequent and serious problems caused by wildlife animals sold for consumption in wet markets in the mainland. Thank you very much, uh, Bowen. Uh, back on the theme of uh, Kerry Lamb and the coronavirus outbreaks, uh, uh, David says, Kerry has absolutely no idea of the quality of life after destroying Hong Kong with the protests. She wants to give the people $10,000. This goes nowhere. Any household or family that's on the tax register and has a Hong Kong ID card in Hong Kong should be given 18000 for three months. Because unknown to the government, we have to pay mortgages, food banks and credit cards, etc. The government needs to reduce their salaries by 30%. We need a complete shutdown for two months except supermarkets and suppliers. We need the properties and rent to crash. Then we can have start-up businesses where new business people can afford rents and salaries. And they're also saying that uh, many legislators have two or three homes and are taking rent as well. They should take a pay cut. Uh, Drake, responding to an, an, an earlier an email from another listener, says, A listener was being antagonistic to what he would call empty-talking councillors. In fact, some of them have already made donations at the beginning of the academic I've also received masks from my district council, distributed through the letterbox, when the government is struggling to find mask suppliers. If there's anyone who's been slow in every response, it's Carrie and the Wicked Witch and her fail, their failed cabinets. Why should anyone follow their deeds? Uh, John says, The largest mask manufacturer in the US was interviewed on NPR. The owner said they will not ramp up production in the US because the last time the US government asked them to ramp up production... They rented a big factory, bought more equipment, trained more staff and increased production. But after the rush was over, everyone, including the US government, reverted to buying cheaper masks from overseas. So he had to sack workers. No thanks. John Tsai-Kung says, more rubbish. Contrary, this is a reference to a uh, guest on Backchat yesterday. Contrary, look at world meters. Hong Kong has 125 cases per million and 0.5 deaths per million. Much, much lower than other countries. The key point, the reason is not the government. It's down to Hong Kong people. And just one more from Catherine. Catherine, following up on an email we had from Craig yesterday, complaining about the Hong Kong post office. So Catherine says, backing up your correspondent, Craig, impossible to get an update from Hong Kong Post on items sent register UK. Tracking shows the item still in the Hong Kong. Royal Mail tracking just shows item exists on the system, but no info on location. I visited GPO twice to ask status with no luck. One postal worker told me it's still in processing centre. Other worker said he expected it being collected. Here is my postal receipt and attaches the postal receipt and tracking information. Surely a Hong Kong government station can get a reply from a government department. 
Hong Kong Post has in the past been a great service and reliable. The lack of info is really disappointing. Thank you very much, Catherine. On that, uh, you, you would think, uh, yes, a government department could get a reply from... I'm oh, sorry, a Hong Kong government station could get a reply from a government department. We have tried. And, <laughs> and we have indeed invited... Uh, following on from the uh, correspondent Craig yesterday, we did invite representatives of the post office to come on the show. And uh, so far, they have been not been willing to do so. The, uh, we gained a constant stream of messages about this on Backchat. And yeah. the invitation remains open to the post office yes. any time they'd like to come in and discuss this. Yes, they, but they seem to be working from home and <laughs> unable to come. Well, let's, let's get back to our, our topic today, which is about the government's newly announced uh, $130 billion or, so, or so relief measures. And we have on the line two guests joining us for this half of the program, Carol Ng, the chairperson of the Confederation of Trade Unions, and Peter Guy, columnist and former international banker. So, Carol, let me come to you first. What do you make of this, uh, this new relief package? It seems like, um, it looks like they are helping quite a large number of the workers. But the actual details, if you're looking inside in so far, it's talking about unless you're having an MPF account, then you will have $9,000 uh, from your employer, hopefully. But that it's um, obviously a group of the people, it seems um, left behind by the government, which is those unemployed and those may be on the unpaid leave as well. So unless you still have a job. Otherwise, and, uh, that seems nothing to look after you. And also that it's uh, something we all the time question about. If you pay the bosses, but not the workers directly, and um, it, it's still awaiting more details to come up this afternoon, I believe. How do you guarantee the workers will receive it? And for the, number, the 16 different industries, they are targeted to um, assist them by about $100,000. And these 16 sectors, they didn't ask them do not fire people. So, again, if the topic is talking about to assist the workers, to help them, and to protect jobs, and how could they do so, how could they achieve it? And the time for the people to um, receive those money, even you're entitled to, you have to wait until June. So in our part, um, survey earlier on, um, stuff from January, there are already people losing jobs, losing incomes. The freelancers have no jobs at all. Four kindergartens been went bust, and 70% um, of the bartenders have lo lost their jobs. So they still wait until June, or even some of them not entitled to anything. And um, so uh, this is how we comment so far. It seems... Um, not enough they are doing. What, what alternative would you like to see? What, what alternative would you suggest to the government? I think, um, uh, first of all, the, the amount of the money, $9,000, which is still um, not, not enough in our eyes, because when they're comparing with other countries like UK or Singapore, and these governments, they're able to assist about 80% or 75% of the workers' income. Now it's just 50% and they capped at the income range um, or uh, ceiling at um, 18,000. So, which is still, like um, one of your audience come and say, it's still quite a difference for what they need to uh, pay out and, or afford to every month. So the workers, if, um, for, for anyone actually, if you try to uh, give them money directly, I believe now everyone having a bank account, a mobile phone and Hong Kong ID card, all you need to do is have an online form to register it 
and should pay them out and as direct as possible. Isn't if, that the $10,000? about the technology. Isn't that the $10,000 we've already been promised? That's going to everyone. So um, that, that's all, and it's, although it's taking quite a long time, but um, mm. so you, that's already on the way. Because the $10,000 is for all Hong Kong adults, I would say. But that this time it's for a particular group of the people who are losing jobs who it's making redundant or, or um, unpaid leave whatsoever. So I think um, it's a matter of technology, and uh, there must be something they can do. I'm not the expert, but in, in the common sense we're telling us, then all you need to do is connect to what I just said of different devices. And bank accounts that every, everybody do have one, at least one. So what's the difficulties for them by not doing so? I, I still haven't got a clue. How do you know which bank accounts are for workers and which bank accounts are for workers who are affected and which ones are not? And for those people registered on an online or electronic form, they need to register one account for themselves. They're able to receive money. Okay, well, let's put that um, suggestion to our other guest in the second half. Uh, Peter Guy, economist and former international banker, joins us from Queensway Studio. Good morning, Mr Guy. Good morning. Uh, governments are uh, throwing out a lot of money, but also facing a lot of criticism, isn't it? Yeah, it's a... Uh it's a complete disaster. A complete disaster. <laughs> it's like fairly, giving, fairly par for the course, doesn't yes, it? Yes, we might as well get started in here. Look, giving money away at this amount is not going to make any difference. There are real, for Hong Kong, real structural problems. Let's get, to, let's get to some really tough points here. Rents, property developers, cartelized economy. Let's, uh, uh, let's get this word out this morning. Okay, come on, it's you just, can't you can't dismantle car, uh, the fundamental structure of the economy during the middle of an economic crisis, can you? Well, I mean, that's my, my, my favourite president, Donald Trump, is certainly doing so for a much larger place and economy. So uh, it's it's very, very disheartening to see that, uh, that uh, landlords are still trying to keep rents up, trying any way they can to, uh, to squeeze out the property market. We need a Basically, we need a 50% rent reduction out there. We need a 50% cut in flat prices, and we need a government who, who, who faces up these developers. As, 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 you know, and every time I talk to a government official, and I've talked to a lot of them, uh, wh when you want to dig into this topic, uh, the best way to describe how they react is uh, how Donald Trump criticizes uh, someone who, who, who can't deal with the issue. He, he says, look at him. They're standing there, shaking like a little girl. They can't even answer the question. And that's the problem we have now and we're facing, because unlike other places, after this virus ends, we're going to go straight back into protests. So effectively, by summertime, we would have had 12 straight months of catastrophe and economic downturn in Hong Kong. And just parceling out money like this is not going to get to the root issue. So, Peter Guy, on that, that uh, issue of mortgages and rents, I mean, I brought this up at the beginning of the show, you know, that's the bulk of everybody's monthly spending. You know, if you, if you have a salary, a huge percentage of it usually goes to mortgage and rent. And Hong Kong people are, I'm not going to say notorious, but they're, they're wonderful in that that will be, they don't want to default. You know, people here will do anything not to default on their mortgage. Can you what, what can you do about that? I mean, your mortgage is, is fixed. Um, you can't really force banks to say, okay, we're just going to give you mortgage relief for six months. Can, what can you do? What, what can you do? Well, you look at, you look at what uh, leadership in the U.S. is trying to do. They are enacting legislation, 
and um, and uh, uh, trying to reorganize the financial market and the economy to deal with this. Uh, it's always strange to me, even in the middle of the probably the greatest crisis to face Hong Kong, that that the government simply refuses to enact legislation and regulation against property developers and against cartels here, which are, in effect, going to stretch Hong Kong's recovery and recession longer and longer. Because think of it this way, those... Those businesses that already have leases probably can't get out of them. And from what lawyers have told me, landlords can sue all they want. The courts are plugged up with, uh, according to the South China Morning Post uh, and, and legal department well, numbers, 7,600 uh, people, cases that have been charged and only maybe 30 that have actually gone to jail. So the the big change will be, and the, and the problem will be, when people get out of their leases or when when places are empty, outlets are empty, who's going to take up a new business, whether you're an expat, whether you're a local? Under these current and future conditions of, of uh, recovery and riot, and you'll have a lot of landlords who prefer to keep their outlets empty because they're playing the same game they played during 1998, during SARS, which is, I'm not going to sign a cheap lease because... In what, six months, the cycle will turn up? Well, herein we have a great struggle in this market because I can't think of any business person that will take up an expensive lease in Hong Kong now or in the next few months unless it's really, really cheap. Mm. I thought that's called the free market, isn't it? I mean, uh, you, you, landlords can make their decisions and uh, market rents adjust. And if landlords want to leave, leave um, property properties empty, I mean, that, that's the free market. That's, that's at least one part of the free market. But unfortunately, this free market only gets to operate uh, uh, when there's a major virus outbreak like SARS or today. <laughs> Is that what we have to wait for? Uh, some sort of pestilence, a famine, a four horsemen of apocalypse to to get this market shaken. Uh, the Hong Kong market's been so perverted in that people just think it just keeps going up and up and up. And now we're faced with uh, with massive problems because this market c- cannot cannot adjust properly. Uh, it's not interest rates. It's basically you have a cartel that restricts supply and. Until that, until that cartel's broken, we won't really have a free market. Mm. Okay, let, let me let me bring in a comment that's coming from a listener on a slightly different theme. But I, I suspect that Peter Guy, you 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 might might be might have a response on this. So uh, John Kowloon says, while we debate about the effectiveness and size of the Hong Kong government's 137 billion relief package and the size of Kerry Lam's pay cut, we should be asking another question: Where is the rescue package from the private sector? I read yesterday that Twitter founder Jack Dorsey is donating one billion US dollars of his own money to fund research into COVID-19. That's equivalent to much as, as much as 30% of his net assets. The news about Dorsey's enormous donation prompted me to look at the billionaire tracker web link provided by Forbes magazine, which provides an extensive list of all the recent charitable moves made by the world's rich and famous. While a few Hong Kong billionaires, such as Lee Ka-shing and New World's Cheng family, do indeed appear on the list, their donations of uh, US dollars 13 million, 13 million and 10 million, in US dollars respectively, are minuscule relative to their net worth. 
they, they, as well as the other property tycoons and conglomerate giants, should be following the example set by Dorsey, Jack Ma, etc., and donating far more of their money to Hong Kong during this unprecedented crisis. Uh, thank you very much, John Kowloon. Uh, interesting point. Peter Guy, any, any, any response? Yeah, it's, it's quite simple. What we don't need from our business leaders is charity or noblesse oblige. We need them to back a lot of reform in the economy, and we need a lot more money from them. Um, and we know that's, uh, that's not forthcoming. Donating a few million masks are, is, is absolutely meaningless when, when you're worth many, many billions. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, another, another crazy... Uh, let, let, let's point out this package. I would like to know why um, the government is buying 500,000 airline tickets at $2 billion. Now, the Chinese airlines are government-owned. They certainly don't need it. Uh, why are we supporting uh, Cathay Pacific? Do you think Cathay Pacific should be left to go bankrupt? You? No, the Swire family should go write a $2 billion check. It's their airline, not Hong Kong's. Last I heard, they're the owners, unless, unless you have some news for me. Why are, uh, the, where, where are they stepping up to this? Governments all over the world are stepping in to bail out airlines, aren't they? Yeah, but in this case, we're well served by the other Chinese airlines. You think about it, about it. Swar family's done really well here. Why not? Why not write a two billion dollar check to bail out your own airline and save your loyal employees' jobs? I don't get it. Can uh, someone explain that to me? I'm not sure you can explain, but Carol, you used to work at Cafe Pacific, didn't you? No, no, no. I used to fly in British Airways. Okay, fly in British Airways. <laughs> time, they don't need the government's bailout, and they're able to protect jobs. Uh, okay, but more broadly, actually, not on Cafe and British and, and British Airways. Uh, do you think that Hong Kong businesses are, are doing enough, or what more they businesses as opposed to government should be doing right now? Um, well, the um, the business sectors that certainly they can do more. Yeah, and um, we we basically not expecting too much from them first. We this time is a time for the government to step in, because now you you see that massive amount of these unpaid leave or people get fired, redundancy whatever, and the scale which is quite large and and involving so many different kinds of jobs. So it's time for the government to take up all these responsibilities. The very first thing is if they try to compare themselves with other foreign countries, and they need to do really similar the same, not just part of it. You see, they're just helping 50% of that 18,000 cap, but actual amount of people going to receive is 9,000. So how much rent for these people able to pay? So the government they need to top up more. So it all comes back to the government, really. You, you don't put any faith on, on businesses, and so the government has to step in and do everything. And, of course, I do expect the um, business companies, they need to do more, is they need to promise that and do not fire people. They need to maintain uh, the same amount of the headcounts as possible like the beginning of this year. Um, but um, shockingly, when uh, the union received the, the, on a daily basis, is so many companies, they, they just don't care. They try to get rid of the people or asking the, the staff to sign an unpaid leave form alongside with a termination notice. What's that mean? You accept the unpaid leave or I fire you. So this is the way they're doing in Hong Kong very commonly nowadays. We, we would like to urge these kinds of employers, please don't. You need the people and do the best you can and pay your parts to retain them. Yeah, well, business, businesses are always going to act in their own self-interest to survive, of course. Um, just talking more about the, the um, property sector, the leases. So in Australia, they, the government introduced a moratorium on evictions for six months that 
if you can't pay the rent, starting with commercial tenancies, you cannot be evicted. Um, would something like that work in Hong Kong, Peter Guy? What, what do you think? Sure, it would, but they don't dare do it. Uh, look at the recent uh, order to uh, shut down bars for uh, two weeks. I, I didn't see an, uh, an accompanying uh, rule that says they didn't have to pay rent for two weeks. Government has to start acting against this, uh, this, this insidious uh, cartel at this time because we are, we, this is the rainy day that Hong Kong keeps talking about for using its, uh, its reserves. But and you I, said this rainy day is going to go on pretty much forever. I mean, you said uh, as soon as the coronavirus outbreak's over, the protests will be back. This rainy day will go on for a while in Hong Kong because it has structural problems, both financially, economically and politically, that it has to resolve. And we also have the history, the tradition of a laissez-faire type of government that does not do anything until things are desperate, right? They're not proactive in coming up with policies to prevent uh, things like this from happening. But uh, the government has to change, just like they have to adapt in other places and countries. It's no different. And um, the, the, great, the great struggle by your establishment here to, to keep status quo is actually costing us a lot. Peter Guy, you're pretty pessimistic about our future here in Hong Kong, aren't you? No, no two ways around it. No, uh, actually, I'm well, realistic. <laughs> I'm realistic because, you know, because we have to face up to problems. But secondly, I'm also optimistic because... Out of all this, there will be new. There will be some new successful businesses. Your smart business people that I, that I, uh, that I talk to and meet with, are looking are looking for what is the new what is the new model to make money here. And there will be because this place, this place is still unique. That is, I mean, how do you make money if there's going to be continual disruption of one form or another? If you go from protests to coronavirus. And back to protest again, and maybe back to coronavirus again. If it's some people say the virus is going to come and go. Well, I'll point out one thing: being in the being in the banking and financial business will still be uh, will still be uh, profitable and good here because uh, the world and China needs Hong Kong's role as an intermediary for the financial markets and for uh, capital flow. It'll be actually, if you want me to be specific, I think with all the expatriates leaving, there'll be there'll be more roles for locals who in banking who are forced to stay, and who can cope, who can cope with the situation, and thirdly, uh, who are who are qualified uh, to take up more senior roles. And you don't think that the, sort of the, the way the coronavirus has raged through U.S. and U.K. is going to change that fundamental equation of people deciding to leave Hong Kong? Well. They, the, if you talk to a lot of expatriates here, you just look at how many who have, who are have already or are thinking of pulling kids out of international schools, who are raising, no. who have already announced they are raising their uh, their tuition rates. There are a lot of people who are expatriates who are moving to to relocating to Singapore or pulling back home because by the time we get to summertime, it'll be twelve months of un, of a kind of uncertainty which makes it difficult to raise a family in. What about, I mean, we are now also seeing the China uh, going back to work, you know, the Chinese economy restarting uh, some sense of normalcy. Are we going to get some flow on benefits from that? I would, hard to say, hard to say because uh, it's a matter of whether they will allow uh, their travelers to uh, return to Hong Kong again. 
Okay, thank you very much. We'll, we'll leave it there. You just heard uh, Peter Guy, columnist and former international banker, and also in the second half of the show, Carol Ng, chairperson of the Confederation of Trade Unions. I'll leave the last word on this topic to a listener. Uh, Andrew says, I heard that self-employed who have staff will claim up to $9,000 in half salary for staff, but did not catch it how self-proprietors with no staff who themselves draw a tax profit rather than the salary will be helped. I may not have caught this, or perhaps it was simply ignored in the announcements. Well, there are a number of gaps like that, aren't there? Yes, exactly. Uh, and also one more email on a different topic. Uh, for those who are listening on Hong Kong Today, uh, towards the end of Hong Kong Today this morning, we'll have heard that it's um, Ian Pooler's last day in the job at RTHK, having been worked at RTHK for more than 30 years. And although um, Ian Pooler was, is primarily, I mean, worked on all, all shows across yes. RTHK over the years, um, including Backchat. He's probably hosted Backchat more times than I have. Then, uh, then us put together. Together. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed, I wouldn't be here. I mean, it was Ian who taught me how to um, um, how to how to push the right controls and squatted down next. I, I wouldn't be sitting here presenting back chat today if it wasn't for Ian's guidance about actually how to start. Uh, a uh, an, an email has come in from a listener uh, who obviously heard uh, from an S who obviously heard uh, the tribute to um, Ian on uh, Hong Kong Today. He says a big thank you to Ian Pooler, wishing him all the best. Sad to see such professionals leaving RTHK. The whole team is extremely professional. And like other listeners suggested, maintained a mini BBC with quality analysis and quality programming. To the rest of the team, continue the good work, especially in these sensitive times. Hong Kong needs you. Thank you very much, S. And uh, we would like to echo the same sentiments to Ian. Ian, thank you very much. Ian's a wonderful colleague, wonderful person, always full of great stories and great ideas. Thank you very much for everything. And um, we'll miss you on back chat. Miss you a lot. Uh, The weather forecast. It'll be mainly fine, warm and dry during the day. The maximum temperature will be about 25 degrees, currently 21 degrees. Relative humidity, 67%. Uh, We'll we'll take a break over the weekend, the bank holiday weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday when when, uh, Hugh will be back in the seat. See you then.